Oh, good morning, everyone. I'm Big Bird. <laughs> or Jason, as most people know me. Uh, it's great to be here this morning as I mess with this. Thanks, Andrew. There you go. That's good. All right. Oh, yeah. Good morning. Uh, it's great to be here. Uh, my name is Jason, and I have the opportunity to go through God's Word with you today. Uh, so let me pray as we do that. Heavenly Father, uh, we just pray that, um, yeah, as we come to your Word, that you will give us humble hearts to hear what you have to say, uh, help us to be encouraged, and help us to be challenged by uh, what your Word has to say to us today. I pray that you'll help me to uh, speak clearly and truthfully, uh, help me to uh, say, uh, yeah, just present your word clearly uh, in your son's name. Amen. Has there ever been a time where you felt like you were underqualified to be a Christian? Like you didn't have what it takes to make it to the end? Like you, uh, you see other Christians and they seem uh, like they have it all sorted? Maybe you're worried because you don't feel like you know the Bible well enough. Or maybe you feel like your sin is too much to get out of, uh, too much to deal with. It can be a frustrating and horrifying feeling. What happens if you don't make it to the end as a Christian? What if you fail at some point and never recover? What if you never know the Bible well enough and miss something crucial? Well, here we are in the first chapter of Corinthians. We're going to be looking at the first half of that chapter today. Uh, it's a letter written to the Christians in a place called Corinth, uh, and it's written by a man named Paul. It seems like a fairly standard start to a letter. We've got a general greeting and a bunch of stuff that Paul's thankful for. That's usually the way he starts all his letters. Uh, so it seems fairly, you know, standard, fairly uninteresting, I guess. But it's actually an incredibly comforting and, re and reassuring little passage. Now to get into it, I'm going to start off by getting to know the Corinthians a little bit better. Uh, but to do that, we're going to use some people who aren't Corinthians and a little bit more familiar to us. So if Ben could whack up our picture on the screen. Here we have three people. This first one, his name is Owen. Uh, he's a person I made up for the purpose of this illustration, whose picture I found on Google Images. Uh, he's recently heard the gospel, has accepted it, and, would and now calls himself a Christian. He's still a fairly new Christian, and still a lot of things uh, that he used to do are yet to change. Although, although he goes to church every week, he still likes to go out and get drunk with his mates after work. He still occasionally lies to get out of work on a, when the weather's really good. Uh, and he has been known to go home with women that he's met at the, uh, when he goes to the bar. He's saved, though, thanks to the gospel. But still, there's a lot of room for improvement as he grows in Christian maturity. Uh, our second picture, picture B, is someone we might know well. Uh, it's Andrew White who gave us the talk earlier, uh, and his daughter, Xavier. 
Now, he's a real person, as we all know, uh, and I stole his picture uh, from his wife's Facebook profile. He, he's a pretty top bloke. He's been a Christian for many years, uh, and from, from what I've seen, he tries his best to live his life in accord with what the Bible say, teaches. He tries to share the gospel with others and loves to help Christians, especially his family, to mature and grow in godliness. He too, like every Christian, is prone to slip up from time to time, but is also thankfully saved through the gospel and not through his own work. He's a standard, committed Christian man. Now finally, our picture under C, or above C rather, uh, is an artist impression of a man named Paul. He's a Christian. Uh, he was converted after being confronted directly by the risen Jesus Christ. He devoted his life to sharing the gospel with others and wrote a large chunk of the New Testament, including Corinthians, which is what we're looking at today. He too is a human prone to sin and in need of Jesus and in need of Je- need and in need of Jesus for his salvation. He is the epitome of someone who lives their lives devoted to Jesus. All right, so I'm going to need some of your guys' help. Uh, I'm going to reread our passage for today. And then I'm going to ask for volunteers to pick either A, B, or C uh, as to which one best meets the description of best fits with the description that Paul gives of the Corinthians. Uh, here we go. One Corinthians one, starting at verse two. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge. Because of our testimony about, uh, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. All right, so looking for some volunteers. Who wants to uh, give their opinion on which one, A, B or C, is closest to uh, Paul's description of the Corinthians? Yep, Gordon, who do you reckon? Just shout it out. So Gordon reckons A fits uh, Paul's description of the Corinthians. Yep, Kristen, you want to have a go? You reckon B? Yep. 
more a, more of a committed Christian. Yep. I've gotten <laughs> all of them. All of them fit the description of the Corinthians. Yep. Fair, fair guess. Fair, fair uh, answer. Anyone else want to? Carly, who do you reckon? You reckon C. You reckon uh, Paul, the committed, the guy who's committed his life to Jesus, is uh, is the best fit. All right. Anyone else? One more. Anyone? Come on. You reckon C as well? Yep, C. Yeah, so we've got a good mix there. We've got a whole bunch of uh, different options from yeah, your, your first-time Christian who's still got a lot to improve all the way up to someone who seems like they've got it all worked out. Um, and yeah, as, as we read... Uh, the Corinthians, uh, as, we, as, we, as we read the, uh, the description of the Corinthians, uh, it seems like uh, they're pretty amazing guys. Uh, they're, somewhat, they're people who are sanctified, called to be holy, uh, who call on the name of the Lord, who are enriched in every way, not lacking any spiritual gift, being kept strong, and will be blameless on Jesus' return. So they sound pretty, you know, pretty up there. Uh, when I first read it, um, I, I reckon they, they've got to be at least, at the very least, pretty committed c- Christians. But is that really how they are? Uh, as we read, as we continue to read Corinthians, uh, it becomes apparent very quickly uh, that it's in fact the op- opposite. Uh, the rest of the letter is a long list of areas uh, that the Corinthians are struggling with that Paul encourages them to, pr- to improve upon. There are divisions in the church, sexual immorality, lawsuits between members of the church, gluttony, and a general lack of consideration or love for one another. These these Corinthians aren't committed Christians at all. They just barely meet the minimum. In chapter 3, Paul describes them as mere infants in Christ, immature Christians not ready for solid food. The Corinthians are still trying to work out the basics and still holding on to the worldly things of their past life. These guys are the baseline of Christianity. They understand the gospel, but are still very immature. They've got a long road ahead of them as they wrestle with the word of God and let it shape their lives. So how, how, how do these two pictures fit? On one hand, we've got Paul, who's, you know, Paul's list of things that are great. And then on the other hand, we've got, well, the a whole list of things that need improving. Uh, well, to, to, to work this out, we're going to take a closer look at what Paul said in, in chapter 1. Uh, from first, verse 4 onwards, Paul is listing reasons he's thankful for the Corinthians. And if you want to sum it up in one sentence, Paul is thankful to God because of his grace given them in Christ Jesus, as it says in verse 4. Now, grace essentially means uh, being given something that you don't deserve. So what does this grace look like? What have the Corinthians been given that they don't deserve? Well, you can sum it up in three things. One, they've been enriched by the gospel. Two, uh, they've been given all necessary spiritual gifts. And three, 
They have a faithful God who will keep them strong till the end. First off, Paul is thankful for the fact that they have accepted the gospel. Verse 4 says, For in him you have been enriched in every way because of our testimony about Christ. Uh, Because our testimony about Christ, aka the gospel, was confirmed in you. Because the Corinthians uh, have accepted the gospel, their lives have been enriched. There's an extra bit in verse 5 which says, For in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking, in all your knowledge. What does Paul mean here? Well, it could mean that with the inclusion of the gospel, uh, their speech and knowledge is enriched. Now that their speech and thinking revolve around the wisdom and goodness of the gospel, both have been improved. That could be it. It's not an untrue thing. The gospel coming into our lives does positively impact everything we do. But I think there's a much simpler translation which makes more sense in the context of these two verses and the rest of the passage. Now let me be clear, you don't need to uh, understand Greek uh, to be able to understand the message of the Bible. Everything you need, uh, as we'll soon see, uh, to live as a Christian is freely available and understandable uh, in the translations we have. But it is helpful sometimes to be able to consult the original text uh, when you're struggling to understand a verse. And luckily we have people like Joe and Dave who are able to help us do that. Uh, so in verse 5, uh, the word for speech could also be translated as the word, aka the gospel. So verse 5 could read like this. For in him you have been enriched in every way, in the word and in all knowledge. Essentially, you have been enriched in every way by the gospel which I think fits better in in this context uh, and with what Paul is about to say. Now, the second thing that Paul's thankful for uh, is uh, that the Corinthians... uh, So so we've just heard that the Corinthians have been enriched in every way uh, in the word and all knowledge. Paul continues in verse 7 with, Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. So because they have been enriched by the gospel, the Corinthians do not lack any spiritual gift. What what does he mean by spiritual gift? What does it mean that the the Corinthians don't lack any of them? Well, Well, from the verse, we see that the spiritual gift is tied to the fact that they are waiting eagerly for Jesus' return. So we can assume that these gifts are going to help in this waiting period. This is backed up in our next point, where they are told that God will do just that, help them keep strong to the end. So to put it simply, the spiritual gifts are things that are given to the Corinthians by God to help them while they wait for Jesus' return. They are not lacking anything, and they are well equipped to wait for Jesus' return. They are equipped with everything they need to live as Christians because God has given it to them. Paul's final point is that they, are not only, that they have not only been equipped with everything they need to continue living as Christians, but they, that they have a faithful God uh, who will keep them strong throughout the whole time. Have a look down at verses 8 and 9 with me. It says, He will keep you strong to the end, 
so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, uh, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. So by God's grace, the Corinthians have accepted the gospel message. And through that, they have been equipped with everything they need to live as Christians till Jesus' return. And they have a God who will help them remain strong in their faith so that they will be blameless at the end. And he is faithful to do it. He won't let them down. Now, Paul was certain that these Corinthians had everything they needed to continue on as Christians simply because they accepted the gospel. And as we saw earlier, they definitely didn't receive these things based on their own merit. When you think about that, it's amazing news because the same thing can be said about us. No matter where we are in our Christian walk, if we have accepted the gospel, at the bare minimum, we can be certain that we have been given everything we need to continue on trusting in God. No matter how much of a bad Christian we think we've been, no matter how inept we think we are, if we trust in the gospel, we can be certain that God will be there keeping us strong and following him. And all of this because our salvation is not based on our own works, but on what God has already done for us. We can be sure God has given us all the tools we need as Christians to continue on strongly till he returns, simply by trusting in his gospel. But this does not mean that we can continue on living as we did before trusting in the gospel. Trusting in the gospel prompts change, and Paul warns us there is a danger of falling away. We can be sure of our salvation and that God has equipped us with all we need to live as Christians. But this isn't an excuse to sit back and do nothing. We should be constantly striving to live in a way that matches the way God wants us to live and always be vigilant in fleeing from sin and seeking God. If you look at any of the other chapters in in this letter, you can clearly see that Paul urges the Corinthians to continue to strive for holiness urging them to change their old worldly ways and aim to mature uh, and aim to mature and live God, godly lives. We need to remember that all of this is said in the context of the certain thankfulness that Paul has at the start of the letter. Thankfulness that Paul has uh, thankfulness for the faithful God that will keep them strong to the end. In light of this thankfulness, Paul moves on to encourage the Corinthians to strive for godliness. This is his expectation of someone whose life has been enriched by the gospel and his expectation of someone who has been equipped, uh, who has been thoroughly equipped and living the Christian life. Paul's expected response to the grace shown by God is not complacency but change. They should have been given they, should, they have been given all they need to live that way, and so they should live it. Paul gives the Corinthians a stark warning in chapter 10. He tells them to heed the warnings given to us in the example of Israel. In particular, he mentions uh, the example of Israel in the desert. All of them were saved by God and were regarded as God's people. But when they stopped trusting in God, trusting God, uh, they were punished by being refused entrance into the promised land and died in the desert. 
He ends this section with this warning to the Corinthians in chapter 10, verse 12 to 13. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Paul gives them them and us a warning that we need to be on guard, watching that we don't give in to sin and don't turn away from him. He reiterates the promises Paul reiterates the promises from the start of the letter that God will be faithful and always give you a way out and we need to take it. We have every tool we need to resist falling away from God and for living the way he intends us to. God has given us everything we need for us to say trusting in him and he is faithful in keeping a hold of us. But there is a real risk of falling away. And if we don't stay vigilant, if we don't continue uh, to hold our trust in the gospel, instead of turning, uh, and instead turning, there's a real risk of falling away uh, if we don't stay vigilant. If we don't continue to hold our trust in the gospel and instead turn back to the things of this world, there is a chance that we can fall away. Now, the brilliant thing is we have a merciful God. And if we do stuff up, we can return to him and find forgiveness through the sacrifice of Christ. The danger of falling away comes when we continue down the path of sin, not returning to God, but fleeing further and further away from him. So be careful not to let that happen. As soon as you see temptation, turn to God and take the way out that he faithfully provides through Christ. The only way we can fall away from God is if we choose to stop trusting him. So we need to be constantly to, to be constantly vigilant, constantly trusting in him and always seeking to grow and mature as Christians. So if we are so thoroughly equipped to handle Christian life and everything it has to throw at us, where do we go to know how to live this life? The obvious answer is to turn to God and his word, the gospel, the source and the reason we are equipped to live this life. To better live as Christians, we need to know God better, which we can do through his words. And Corinthians might be a good place to start. It's full of, full of ways we can be changing and maturing as Christians. The Corinthians were people who accepted the gospel and trusted God. They failed in many aspects of their Christian life and had many areas, in, uh, areas to improve in. But Paul was certain that they were well-equipped by God's grace, to live as Christians till the end, where they would receive eternal life. We can take encouragement from this if we too trust in the gospel message and our faithful God. We can be assured that we are thoroughly equipped to live as Christians. Each one of us aren't lacking anything that we need as we eagerly await Christ's return. As we strive to live godly lives, if we are constantly relying on him, he will faithfully keep us strong till the day that we are presented blameless, all thanks to Christ. So you can be certain that if you understand and trust in the gospel, then you have everything you need to live out this life as a Christian. 
No sin can take you away from God as long as you are constantly seeking him. Paul, as he wraps up his letter, summarises the letter with this in chapter 16, verse 13. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be men of courage, be strong and do everything in love. There's a real danger of falling away, but we have a faithful God who will never let us go, who won't give up on us, and will never turn around, away from us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a faithful God who will never let go of us, uh, that if we keep uh, faithfully uh, turning to you in repentance uh, and trusting that you uh, have saved us, uh, that you will keep us strong till the end. Uh, you've given us everything we need uh, to keep living our lives uh, as strong Christians. Help us to keep turning to you and your word and constantly uh, aim, striving to Im improve in godliness and maturity. In your son's name, amen.